Hey, everybody. Wait, no, this is Wade Bowen. I'm an idiot, and every time I say that, that's what pops into my head. And I'm mad with power. Okay. You're listening to the rules of acquisition, but you already know that. Probably. Uh, you may realize we are about to get into season four. Full bearded, bald Cisco, the hot shit. But before we get into that, just wanted to go ahead and get an extra podcast in here we haven't heard we, you haven't heard from us for a little while or we haven't played you and hey your voices deserve to be heard and we've got enough of you and it's a summer and so this is an extra little bonus thing before we get into the the, the new hotness that is season four of deep space nine the appearance of everybody's favorite characters new characters old characters that are better and but yeah, uh, you know what's coming. Let's talk about what's been. All right. Uh, yeah. So enough of my yammering. I really could stand to shut up more often, listen, not be such a jackass. Um, uh, but what am I talking about? I don't know anymore. Hey, let's just jump into it. We've got some voicemails. Here we go. There you go. Bye. What's next on the on the on the voicemail docket? <laughs> All right. Here we have. Another one from Pluto Burns. All right. That's a favorite of ours. Well, we don't play favorites. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, fellas. It's Pluto Burns calling about Explorers. Okay, real quick about the B-plot. I totally agree with you. The problem is that it's not about goddamn anything even vaguely important. (laughs) Like, this one's not even on uh, Bashir or Alexander Siddig's acting. Someone just wrote a really shitty B story. And not even the drinking scene did it, because the reason the scenes with Garrick and Bashir are great is because they're talking about sci-fi stuff and cultural meeting in space and, no, everything else. Oh, God, I don't care about this man talking to his former classmate rival thing. That's stupid. I don't care. Okay, Cisco as a, building the boat is amazing. I love just, like, the sort of, like, ship-in-a-bottle nerdiness of him building this with the correct tools. And all the Jake stuff is great. You know, he's getting a little too old to hang with his dad, but he also realizes that his dad really wants to hang with him. And you know what? You can throw your dad a bone. But um, I think it's... I, I was thinking, I'm not super, super, like, up-to-date on my next generation, but did Picard ever do anything like this? Like, yeah, Picard is supposed to be the ultimate explorer, but did he ever sit down for weeks and build a goddamn boat? I don't know, but yeah, no, the Explorers episode was great, and I loved it. Well, that brings up a great point. He didn't point. have time to build a goddamn boat. He was <laughs> he was busy exploring the galaxy, and and no, he didn't build a boat. He went to the holodeck and played gangster detective. Yeah, but I think that that goes back to the the idea that Picard is a man is an explorer, but but literally Cisco is a builder. They've talked about that before yeah. in the show. Is like he's a man who's like stays and sticks with something, to, you know. So that that is a now Picard learned how to play the flute when he had yeah an uh, entire lifetime right. Well, he had a lifetime to like. Deal and there with it. there is the Vash <laughs> stuff where he's really into archaeology yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah and the Kerlin Nesker and the I mean, there's the various different things with plot points where he's 
where he's like an Indiana Jones kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's searching I think for an artifact. The need or to have like the that. captains be like sort of Renaissance men is a relatively new thing to trek. And it's something that they sort of abandon after Cisco. Like they you really don't have that. I mean Picard and Cisco are the only two type like didn't Janeway breed Irish setters? They had a they had a She did that <laughs> back at home they after, had, with her boyfriend that leaves her or whatever. They had a horrible thing where she was a babysitter, a Victorian babysitter in the hollow suite. <laughs> oh, and yeah. it was a completely <laughs> sexist thing. And then later they had her be friends with Leonardo. I mean, they just mishandled her. All right, that's that's I, this is the thing that I've noticed is why this wasn't and I, I, it's sort of a general point, so it's never made it into an any specific episode. But from Janeway to, like, every minor character, like whenever there's a woman in the background of, like, the security force or anything like that, they all have this Gibson girl's hair do yeah. this like updo yeah. that's, like, very, very old. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, why? <laughs> they, yeah, that's across. DS9 does that shit all the time. Yeah. Why? Yeah, why didn't they... Why did they give the women such dated? I mean, I know that the Gibson girl hairdo was like a hairdo of the suffragette movement, but it was still like it was the hairdo of the non-suffragette. It was just the hairdo of the time. So like of the 20s and the 30s, it wasn't a very empowered hair. So why go back to and it wasn't trendy. It wasn't just trendy in the 90s. So why go back to it? I think maybe it wasn't trendy in the 90s. They wanted something that looked timeless and they so they went to something in the 20s <laughs> they they picked the wrong horse man like if they had just updated it to like flapper girl's hair i could have even bought it like everything was like close cut and like bobbish that would have been fine but to have this very particular yeah very chaste victorian hairstyle is very weird but they they stuck with it man that was like their default <laughs> right and it's not an it's not a quick uh, it's not a quick hairdo to do either so like i don't know why they... yeah and yeah so it's it's not like convenience that made them do it but hmm. I, I think they just they made the wrong choice <laughs> doubled down yeah it just makes everybody look it, it makes everybody look just i don't know like old and un, like yeah not not sexually unappealing just generally unappealing right Right, right, yeah. It's like, mm, why do so. they all have, like, look like my grandma or something? Yeah, exactly, or, like, pictures of my grandma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. And I have no problem. James, you had a little bit of issue with that Jake sets his dad up with Cassidy Yates, but I think I think that's great. I do. Well, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm sure that I, I go into that deeper. I'm sure that I'm waiting for calls from this week. I'm going to defend <laughs> All right, yeah. I was about to say, but, you know, we can... Let that lie. I'm uh, wondering if they're. I'm wondering if I'm getting about to get an onslaught of those. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, All right. Thanks again for the call, Pluto. Burns. Always good to hear from you. Let's see. Oh, we got a we got a thing here from Warren. Oh my God. Let's hear yeah, it. Yeah, uh, from Seattle. All right. Oh, I said. Yep. All right. Yeah. Let's just go. Hey, fellas. Warren in Seattle. Uh, Mr. Tenrant, giving you guys uh, another call. Just to present my uh, long-awaited and talked about this year defense. Uh, so here it is. I'm going to try and, and blow through this as quick as I can because I know I'm on the clock. But uh, to, to sort of echo um, Franklin's email from a couple week, weeks ago, I think that um, there's a lot to relate to in terms of Bashir as a sort of surrogate for what the audience is going through maybe in their personal lives. I think Bashir's story arc represents a maturation character realization that's arguably unparalleled in Star Trek lore. Um, whereas most other characters are pretty well formed as introduced, 
Bashir really does grow, both prof- uh, professionally and personally. By the end of the series, I think his friendships, his worldview, and his professional standing are all miles away from where they were at the beginning of the first season. And I think this is why people seem so attached to the guy. Um, in a lot of ways, I think Bashir is all of us. He's like a metaphor for that embarrassing transition from high school to college when we thought we knew every goddamn thing. And we get to college and we learn that we 100% don't. And that same thing, in a lot of ways, happens after college for a lot of people. But in the end, hopefully, I think a person learns some humility, makes some good friends, and becomes comfortable in their own skin. And without getting into the spoiler territory, I think that is what Bashir's journey is all about and why it's so easy to relate to it and to become attached to the character. And purely on an acting level, I think I would argue that Siddig really does grow over the course of the show. And in his post-DF9 career, he does only seem to get better. He kicked ass in 24 and was the best part of shit shows like Vertical Limit and the whole Dorn plotline of Game of Thrones uh, Season 5, which... Uh, like a lot of people, I hate it, but I think Sadiq was the best part of it. So there's my defense. Uh, Bashir, as all of us, and his his growth as a sort of unique and special thing to Star Trek. So how about it? Take it easy and catch you later. I, I will concede that Bashir is not the worst character in the Dorn plotline. Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. I, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I will I will say the same. I think, yeah, so what Warren is saying here is like, he's like all of us. He sucks, and then he doesn't. <laughs> we all sucked when um, we were young, too, right? And I think I think that's a really generous, <laughs> I, I think can, that's a generous... Uh, I was a shitty kid, and I'm pretty cool right now. I don't know. I think where we are in recording, I everybody knows we record the audio is different than we do with the, video, uh, the episodes uh, five episodes into like season four. I don't even know if I can name like two Bashir scenes, on, but he, I don't hate him. You know, I uh, no Hippocratic oath. Yeah, no, no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah no, um, he, everything's better in the fourth season. And I don't know if, you know, I don't know if like, you know, a change of scenery like makes everything look different, but like, uh, I think it's a change of writing. I, as far change as of writing and definitely a new concentration on a lot of things. So, I'm willing to do that. I haven't actually. I think at one point I, I kind of shit on like I, I created a negative theory towards all of Alexander Siddiq's career, but I I don't know a ton of that. You know, I don't, I don't even remember Syriana, which I saw a long time ago, which which he's in a lot of. So I, I I can't really say. So he wasn't utilized very well in Game of Thrones. <laughs> be that whoever's fault that was. So yeah. All right. Well, what I, do you think, Hugh? Because I, I think Warren took issue with you on Twitter about this. <laughs> I think that that this is a little bit of a stretch to call what Bashir goes through an actual arc. <laughs> what it is, it's just it's just uh, I think that's mighty generous on Warren's. I think, you know, if you relate to something on screen, who am I to say that you don't, you know, whether or not that's justified, it's fine that he feels that way. I see some writers like shit in the bed when it comes to the treatment of that character for the first two seasons. Uh, I don't think Stockholm syndrome. You live with it enough. You start to uh, identify with your captor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, whatever. I'm glad Warren likes (laughs) Bashir and I'm glad that Warren likes Deep Space Nine. I'm glad that Warren likes us. We like Warren. Oh yeah, he's great. I just, I just feel differently than Warren and that's okay too. (laughs) Diversity well, of ideas, right? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, we believe in Idic. Well, uh, this is Hegelian here. You, we have to bend towards a consensus. We have a thesis and an antithesis. Nope, nope. Infinite diversity and infinite combination, <laughs> motherfuckers. That's, that's true. That's fuck, right. Fuck hate. Well, <laughs> and if you don't believe that, fuck you. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs>
oh, I'm a robot that's going to die now because somebody asked me what love is. I, <laughs> sorry, I don't. Does not compute. All right, let's see. That was that. All right, so here we have a voicemail recording from another international listener here. We'll just jump into it then. All right. Hi, guys. This is Carla calling from Australia, giving you another example of the beautiful Australian accent. And uh, I wanted to weigh in on the Dr. Bashir debate. Um, I have to say you've turned me around a lot on the subject of Dr. Bashir. I guess he perhaps he's not the great character that I thought he was when I was in my teens watching Deep Space Nine for the first time. But I do want to say I agree with a caller from a couple of weeks ago who said that it was bad writing that was largely responsible for the, frankly, bizarre turns that the character makes over the seasons. Um, And they get more bizarre uh, as some of the um, things about his past are revealed. So uh, I, I think that that's true. I think that they never really understood how to write Bashir, and I feel that the the real problem was the character was written to be flawed um, and arrogant and blind, and that that because he's Starfleet, and because of the the vision of of Roddenberry and the perfect human specimens that Starfleet has to be, um, the writers never had the courage to let Bashir fail um, and to bring everyone down with him to create conflict through the disaster of his unfortunate personality, which would have made for a much better show. And it did when Ronald Moore went on to make Battlestar and allowed Dr Gaius that same opportunity. Um, That was a wonderful character experience. So I feel like that could have been really good. And we can see now, looking back in retrospect, of course, that could have been done better. Um, But, yeah, there are some good episodes coming up. I've watched them recently. Thank you, Netflix. Um, And, yeah, we can all enjoy some good Bashir moments um, yeah, I, I really just wanted to call in and say how much I enjoy your podcast. I listen every week and I will continue to do so. And I hope that you will do an enterprise podcast because, um, Lord knows the enterprise needs to be looked at, uh, sternly. <laughs> um, I often find myself these days watching it and shouting at the television and, you know, thinking, what would you guys think of this particular scene? Um, so I hope that you'll take that up. Um, and keep on doing what you do because it's great. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, right off the bat, if you ever have any questions about what we think about Enterprise or something specific in an episode and you're watching it, you can tweet it at us, and I'll pretty much let you know <laughs> yes. what, I, what, what I think of Enterprise. I I like Enterprise. Me too. Probably more than most Star Trek fans. I like the premise I like what how they treat the timeline. It's exciting and fresh for a good part of it. And then 9-11 happened, and there's this weird post-9-11 vibe that hangs over it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it tainted. It, it's like it was so weird that they wanted to capture the early excitement of space exploration in that first couple seasons. And then in real life, we have that horrible tragedy, and they – felt the need to address it with an analog situation. Mm. Anyway. And yeah. No, yeah, no, no, no. Anytime, anytime somebody wants to know what we think of something specific on whatever they're watching that day on Netflix, they should just ask us because we love that kind of stuff. So <laughs> yeah. Carla, if, if you want to, if you're, if you're shouting at the enterprise on Netflix, just 
Just ask. Yeah, I, yeah. I it's haven't a, actually seen Enterprise, but yes, I feel that's gonna be. Yeah, it's uh, it's astonishing how much of Enterprise is is great, and then like how much of it is awful, and it it's a perfect mixture. I'm finding in the fourth season that you know when you when you're talking about season two one of Deep Space Nine, you're just like this is fucking awful, and like almost nothing works here until the end, and then like something works amazing. Then now we're in season four and it's kind of like eh, everything's kind of working. But like I always feel like Enterprise had like super extremes within an episode. Yeah. You would find like 20 minutes of this was just gold and 20 minutes of it was just dog shit. And like it was interwoven. We, it, it, I got I got opinions. Yeah. Uh, maybe we maybe I, we I, need to maybe we need to address. I this. don't, but all I know is that some people love the post nine eleven stuff in Enterprise. I've heard that before. It got it gets good in season three. Yeah, which I don't know what that means because I haven't seen it. I get but, those the, the, the kind of people that like that like video like video games I don't like and like <laughs> movies uh, I don't. They're, like. they're like the people that th- <laughs> Man of Steel was the best Superman movie. Exactly. Oh, yes, God. I'm sure that it's the Armand White crowd and a certain other types of people. But like I, uh, yeah, if no. You, that, if you think Man of Steel was a good movie, then I don't know. Fuck you. But Carla <laughs> does not seem to be that. I think no, Carla's great. I, I think Carla had a very insightful. Uh, real life thoughts on what was going on on the real life side of the making of the Space Nine with Bashir and the writing. Oh yeah, yeah. She talks up. Yeah, she I, she learned from us, whereas Warren Cantrell did not. Well, well, <laughs> uh, I'm, the thing is, is that I think that maybe they saw the opportunity to make deeply flawed characters for the first time since Roddenberry had passed, and it was like a shiny new toy they didn't know what to, what to do with do anything with at the beginning they weren't ready for it they didn't know how far they wanted you you don't know you know you know what you want until you get what you want and then you don't want that you know i think yes i think that's exactly i think carla brings up a great point i think and i think that's that's what's going on i agree with her and i mean I, i i think that i know that we feel differently about it and i don't like i haven't watched the show past where we're recording in 10 years 12 years 13 years but I do know that, like, I know that you feel differently about where Bashir goes than I do. And maybe that's... And maybe I I'll change diff- my mind. Maybe I'll That's what I'm saying. I might it. change my mind because it's been a long time. Right. I've already changed my mind on a lot of things. But I remember thinking that that was interesting. And not only that, but it was particularly anti-Roddenberry code. Yeah. You a know? lot of people have that issue. But. Yeah, I have the issue with it. But it's also, like, I mean, it's something... Let's let's be honest. It's right. something. Well, well, well we, yeah. that's something to look forward to. We'll definitely get. We'll, yeah. I don't want to debate the merits of that until we get. Yeah, to yeah. It. But yeah. yeah. But it hangs over every Bashir. I know we all we talk about Bashir a lot, and it hangs over every Bashir episode. I and can't I don't believe even know how much I, we've talked about Bashir. I can't even believe. Like, if you told me, like the first episode, that the three of us were going to spend as much time talking about Bashir. As we had, like, you guys are going to do a Deep Space Nine podcast, and you'll spend a good portion of it talking about just Bashir. And <laughs> just arguing yeah. over Alan's I would have thought. I would have thought we would, in general, just sort of reflecting back over it the last, I would have thought we would have talked about uh, Armin Shimmerman way more yeah. than and Quark. But it seems like that, I mean, because Quark everybody, was, But Quark's great because Armin Shimmerman's so great. Right? Yeah, there's a general consensus, yeah, that... Uh, you 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 talk about what's where there's not consensus, you know. Right, right, right. right. All right. Well, thanks again, Carla. That was a great. <laughs> yes, we we loved. Well, 
there's not a competition. We like all our listeners, and it's nice to get mm-hmm. more Australians yes. in, and you know everybody. Yes, we love all the voices. Again, infinite diversity and infinite mm-hmm. combination. We want to hear from everybody. Uh, all right. So yeah, this is all right. Here we go. This is an email that I'm going to read. Um, ah, now I understand what's going on. <laughs> yes, yes, I know how that could be confusing. I just I want to put everything out there. I got an email. Sorry. Oh, what was in the email? Just a picture. I'm going to describe it on the on the podcast. <laughs> oh, the colors in this thing. If you could see this thing, it'd be amazing. All right. No. Uh, this is an email from a good friend of the podcast who usually calls in, but he didn't this time. <laughs> All right, and I'll leave you hanging in suspense as I read it, I guess. All right, here we go. Good evening, gentlemen. It's Adam P. Newton. Uh, I decide, yeah, yeah. It's Adam P. Newton. I decided that emailing in my wide album for season three of Deep Space Nine would be a bit more considerate of your time, and I really hate all caps, how I sound via voicemail. I just finished listening to your White Album episode, and it seems you three had the same problems I did. It was very easy to cut away the crappy episodes, Sayonara Meridian, (laughs) as well as the episodes that I did enjoy that weren't crucial to the plot. Adios, Profit Motive. Also, while I personally still enjoy Past Tense Part 1 and 2 as added to the overall Star Trek timeline slash universe, that two-parter didn't make my list because it didn't feed the arc of the season. So, here's that list. His White Album. The Search Part 1. The Search Part 2. House of Quark. Second Skin. Civil Defense. Defiant. Heart of Stone. Improbable Cause. The die is cast. Explorers. Shakar. (laughs) Facets. The adversary. I decided to leave in anything tied to moving the Nog subplot forward, as he becomes one of my absolute favorite characters in the show. Also, while Defiant may be the weakest episode on the list, it does move the Cardassian ball down the field. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, If I were to pick my hit singles from this album, they would be as follows. The Search, Part 1. The Search, Part 2. Improbable Calls. The Dias Cast. Shakar. The most unlikely entry on this list, but I stand by its inclusion because of how important it is to the Bajoran arc of the series. And The Adversary. Thanks for a great podcast, gentlemen. I'm looking forward to Season 4. Adam P. Newton... Slash drive time with a Y. Drive. D-R-Y. Time. T-Y-M. You always say like you're Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> drive time with a Y. Yeah, and it, it always <laughs> makes me think of like a, an old Patton Oswalt bit. I can't remember. It was like uh, something with a Y. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember what the with the Y was, but it's just like... It's like a metal thing, I think. I worked hard on... Jackal. Keep- Jackal with a Y. That's what it was. Jackal with a Y. <laughs> uh, there really was a Jackal with a Y, wasn't there? And they played a chainsaw. Oh, yeah. on the good- oh. Their lead singer played 
chainsaw, like he would do it, he would rev it, and it would make like solos. Well, I <laughs> thought he played like a guitar, like a, a chainsaw, like a bow or something. Uh, that might have happened, but he would like, yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what the Pat, the Pat Oswalt bit was about. <laughs> was about Jack, was the jackal with a Y. Yeah, metal stuff. Uh, but uh, I digress. Uh, he, drive time with a Y, worked very hard to keep Shakar on the list and did it, it seems to me, by throwing out Abandoned from my list. Um, yeah. And I, I liked Abandoned a lot, but I, I did want to keep Shakar for, for the same reasons he did. And also, I kind of liked the episode. Like, I just kind of, like, it, it, it was more comfy to me than maybe episodes that were better but not you know so i yeah i like the bandit a lot though it's a comfy episode shakar i mean yeah. it's like it's it's a it felt very like just hanging out in hollywood to me yeah I was <laughs> like, hanging out, and then, go out to the hollywood hills hang out with my liberal friends <laughs> and then, yes and then and then we talked we talk in a canyon to rawls from the wire um but adam, yeah. adam brings up his love of nog and if you take warren's email or voicemail and replace the word Brashir with Nog, he would actually be correct instead of wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I... Yeah. Can you see that? I was thinking, Nog I, is yeah, the, yeah. I, oh, I could see that, yeah. Why well, don't you yeah. just... Re- his, sentiment, his sentiment isn't wrong, I guess. Just replace the, the word Bashir with Nog, and then you have... A correct opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's yeah, yeah. And I, I will say, from a right, from a writing <laughs> perspective, what? No, I don't want to. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I'm being forced to defend Bashir here, and I don't want to do that. Like, that's <laughs> not that's not what I want to be. So, I want to play devil's advocate against your point, but I that I, I think at some point that's just ego. I don't know. I have nothing. You're right. <laughs> I don't think. I I think I'm willing to give Bashir's growth. I remember liking it. I don't. No, I'm not as confident that I will like it a second viewing. Um, I'm open to to being changed, but yeah, generally this is a this is a shit fuck character. <laughs> yeah, but, well, see, I, I even where with where he goes, I think I'm just liking Bashir more as he lives in the character, as the writing across the board gets stronger in season four. I feel like Bashir is comfortable with his fellow actors. Yes, yeah. writers are more comfortable, and it's, he's a more fun character in some ways. He's not as insufferable. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that you're going to start seeing more di- uh, different opinions. Maybe not the opposite opinions, but different opinions about uh, from us about Bashir. Yeah, I, uh, probably. If if what we've done of season four is any indication, right? Well, I think part of it's because as the uh, characters on Deep Space Nine learn to like Bashir more, we do too, even. And the the writers maybe even know how to do a little bit more with him. Right, yeah. But that doesn't mean the writing before was purposefully good by making him dislikable, which is what Alexander Siddiq will try to sell you on. There's a way to make (laughs) people likably unlikable. Right. I mean, there's a way, like... Look at Gold Dukat. Yeah. Well, look at Gold Dukat, or... Or Or, or Gaius Baltar from... Yeah, or you can have, like, you know, like, in wrestling, there's heels that everyone loves to hate, and then there's there's heels that just people hate just because they're shitty personalities wrestlers whatever you know and i don't think that he's a heel that you'll you hate you're just kind of like oh this character yeah not like not like gold Ducat, like ooh, i hate this guy right let's watch it yeah all right 
Uh, yeah. So yeah. Thanks again for all your calls, everybody. Um, and emails and everything else that you can send us. Give us a call at 917-408-3898. Send us a email at rules of acquisition podcast at gmail.com or send us your own little audio file that way. If you're international, um, you know, do all the other things. Every other podcast ask you to do check out crimes against humanities on Tumblr and on Patreon, or do y'all want to talk no, your own edit. shit? No, you're good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, check out, mm-hmm. James's forever James's YouTube page. Well, it's still just the one thing now, but uh, I'm gonna I'm setting a hard deadline in two and a half weeks. I should have the thing done. Yeah, I've had I've had a lot of chaotic personal life. Not personal. I've had to move. You, so you moved. I had to move out of the state. So I had like a lot of shit and a lot of irons in the fire. So I should be able to hit it in two and a half weeks. But don't hold me to that. But that's my goal. All right, and you know I don't have anything big to sell you unless you're in New York. Also, we we got Breath of the Wild in the house. <laughs> That's a real that's time been sink. Really fucking distracting to me. But anyway, yeah. uh, hopefully that'll that'll I got I got to display discipline. So all right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Can we can we finish the podcast? Can you? Yeah, dis- we can finish the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> can gotta, we display some discipline and just cut? I'm going to display discipline by going and playing more Breath of the Wild. Let's get out of here. <laughs> all right, all right. Fair enough, fair enough, sir. Oh, okay. So yeah, let's end it. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Three to beam out. <laughs> Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you because one day they hope to sell you blue apron snacks and underwear made out of modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917 408 You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are, that is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that. Again 917-408-3898 Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.